This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. I welcome all of you. If you need a Bible, once you get your hand up and our ushers will get you one. This is week four on our decisions. Once you get a Bible, go with me to 2 Timothy 3, and then we'll go to 2 Timothy 4. And again, when we start here today, you're going to see some decisions we will have to learn how to live with throughout our time here on earth. And we live at this place called, this, uh, this planet called earth, and we're confronted by two worlds that are, are totally different, that are totally opposed, that there's a contrast between good and evil. And darkness and light. And so every one of us have the choice to go in this way or that way. And I believe the word of God will really help us today. So let's begin here in 2 Timothy 3 verse 1. But know this or understand this. That in the last days. Perilous times they they will come. The Amplified says. Times of great stress and trouble. Another translation says it will be difficult to be a Christian. To help us really understand what he's talking about. The word perilous here means harsh, difficult, dangerous. The word describes a society that is barren of virtue. Now this is a warning for each one of us that understand this. That in these last days this is how this planet earth is going to begin to take shape. And so Paul here he exhorts us to continually in the word of God. Even in the face of a great increase of evil. And so what will begin to happen here. And you're going to see through this. There will be a a self-centeredness that will begin to appear. Also there's a list of behaviors that will become prevalent in our society. So we look at verse number 2. For men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers only of themselves. They will be lovers of money, lovers of only their money. And that ultimately leads to be boasters and proud. So what becomes happen is because of the love of myself and the love of money, the the arrogance within me is based on my possessions and my achievements. Look what all I've done. Look at me, look at me, look at me. And then he goes on and he says, they will be blasphemers. That means that they would scoff at God. That means that they would mock the things of God. We're seeing that. They would be blasphemers. They would be disobedient to parents. In these last days, these will become times that will be marked by children that will become more and more disobedient to parents. Now again, I applaud a parent for raising their children godly. You weren't called to be their best friend. You were called to be their mother and father. And so clearly, clearly Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train them up in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart. There's a, a sadness within my heart of how many of our young ones right now are seen go back to the world. They're being pulled back into the world. They gravitate to the things of the world. And so parents, the charge for you, keep training them up. And the charge for our, our, our children is welcome their, diso- their, their obedience. Welcome that training you up. 
He goes on to say they will be unthankful or ungrateful. They will be unholy. They won't look at anything as sacred anymore. Unloving and unforgiving. Just the opposite. Instead of a lover, they're unloving. Instead of forgiving, they're unforgiving. These will begin to mark the end times. And he says, they'll be traitors. The list goes on. Headstrong and haughty. To understand that, he said, they will be uh, lustful. They will despise authority. Ooh, we're seeing that. Self-ruled and self-willed. And he goes on to say, they will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They choose comfort over commitment. Verse 4, 5. Having a form of godliness, having a pretense of godliness, uh, they'll have a view of being religious, but they'll deny the power the very power of God that can change them. And the power that we see that will begin today deny is God. They'll deny the power of the cross of our Lord and Savior Jesus. They'll despise or deny the Word of God. They'll despise and deny the Holy Spirit. And he ends in this and says, and from such people turn away from them. A warning here to say, get away from them. Don't run with them. I paraphrased addition. I would say this. You run with the snakes, you're going to get bit. Regardless of who you are. And so just the warning of the list of behaviors that will begin to take over in our society. Every time I read this passage, I begin to see our, our society look more and more and more and more like this. Watch what he says here now starting in verse 13. But evil men and imposters will grow worse. Evil men will grow worse. And imposters will grow worse. Now, the Apostle Paul, when he was writing to this young pastor Timothy here, this was a strong warning, and he's telling, it's not going to get any better. So with that warning right there, I've got to make the decision in my life. I'm going to hold on to the things of God. Regardless what's going on. So when he says evil men will get worse. What about the word of an imposter? What does that word say to you? An imposter. Not real. Fake. Maybe a counterfeit. And so he said a warning. Imposters are going to get worse. Even within the church. We've ever heard this statement. All churches are the same. That's not true. That's not true. I tell you right now, with any church, including this one, do the history on the church. And find out, was that church birthed out of a split? How did that church come to pass? And then even go and look at the pastor. And look at his life as a leader since he'd been born again. Did he divide a church? Did he cause a church to split? If he did, get away from it. How about this, since he's been the pastor? Has he left his wife for another wife? Has he left his children? I encourage you, do your homework because there's a warning right here that's strong that says this is going to increase more and more and more. Keep reading, verse 14. But you must continue in the things which you've learned and been assured of knowing from whom you've learned them. You must continue. 
Stay with the Word of God, the things you've learned. Stay with the faith, the, the, the things the Bible has taught you. And you're going to have to go against the flow. There's a pull in this society in our world right now to get you to move away from that. And he says in verse 15, And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scripture which are able to make you wise. What would make you wise? The Scriptures. When I begin to live by the Word of God. And he said, They'll make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture, not some of it, but all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, What's going to happen in verse 16 is he's going to list four fours, F-O-R. Four times he mentions the word four. Watch what he says here, and we can learn right here today. And the word of God is profitable for doctrine. The word of God is profitable, profitable for instruction. You want a blueprint for how to live your life? Get into the word of God. The next four, he says, is for reproof. The word reproof has to do with conviction of sin. That's a good thing. How many of you have ever been hearing the Word of God and the Word of God convicted you and ultimately that conviction is get you to repent? Those are good things. That's what the Word of God is designed to do. For instruction, for doctrine, and for reproof. The next one is for correction. The Word of God has the ability to correct me from error and also to discipline me in the area of obedience if I'll hear the Word of God. So what he tells me right there, the Word of God will get you back in line. It'll get you back on course. And the last one is for instruction in righteousness. The literal translation for instruction says for training in righteousness or for discipline in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the word of God is sent there to correct us. To lead us. To mature us. Amens are legal in here, okay? Thank you. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I charge you. Now, the word charge there is a used in a term in a testimony of court. And it's interesting. He says, I charge you before Father God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I charge you with what? That they will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. So what's going to happen with every one of us? We're going to stand before Father God. Whether you're alive or you're dead. And you may say right now, well, I don't believe in God. Well, you're not going to be able to use that. That's not a Fifth Amendment right in heaven. I plead the Fifth. You're going to stand before God and I'm going to stand before God. And we're going to be judged on the very things that we've done. Now, this letter was from Apostle Paul to a young pastor named Timothy. Now look what Paul tells Timothy to do. He said, Timothy, preach the word. Don't preach readers digest. Don't give them thoughts or fables or your opinion. Preach the word. Be ready in season and, in and out of season. When it's convenient or inconvenient. 
whether people welcome it or unwelcome it, you preach the word. He goes on to say, convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. Now it's interesting that he would tell him, you convince people through the word of God. You rebuke them for the word of God. See, I have people come at times and they'll say, well, what do you think about this, pastor? And you know what I'll tell them? What does the Bible say? And if they don't know what the Bible says, I'll try to find scripture for that. And oftentimes I have people that get mad at me because of the things that the scriptures quote. You know what? I'm okay with that. Only the truth sets people free. And so he said, rebuke them and teach them. Verse 3. For the time will come when they, people, will not endure sound doctrine. They will not endure the word of God. Now, right here is a decision that I've got to make and you've got to make. Do you want the word of God? Do you want sound doctrine? And he said the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. You know what he's telling us right here? There will be a group of people in abundance that will come along and they don't want to be told what they should hear. They want to be told what they want to hear. Their sinful lusts and their sinful desires. And so they're looking for men of God, women of God, who will endorse their sins and say, it's okay. That's why we have grace. You can sin for however you want. But that's not true. And so he begins to give us an idea of what our times will look like. And he said, they will not endure sound doctrine according to their own desires. Because they have itching ears, they will heap up from themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables or man-made thoughts. They will turn their ears away from the truth, the Word of God. Well, you know, I don't believe the Bible's relevant for the society we live in. I believe the Bible's out there. You know the Ten Commandments? Those are way out of line for how we live in. See, the decision comes, do I live by the word of God or do I want to live by people's opinion? A decision. Now, go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. And this is a real interesting passage here. This is a passage about a man named Noah. And Noah lived in very difficult times. And the Lord instructed Noah. He said, I'm going to give you 120 years to tell them the truth. 120 years. Because their society was so out of line, so out of order. Now we really need to focus on this passage here because later this morning we're going to get to a point where biblically... We see why this is so important. Genesis 6 verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Now it's interesting to me. It says that, that God saw the wickedness. God observed the wickedness. So you know what that tells me? God is very aware of what goes on in our lives and our society. On a, on a second by second or by a minute by minute of the day. He's very aware. So he saw that in their society, what did he say? 
it was, it was, the wickedness was great on the earth. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, for the last couple of weeks, we've used different uh, verses to explain our thoughts. One of the first weeks we did 2 Corinthians 10, really verses 3 through 5, it says, capture every thought. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it says, the God of this age has blinded our minds, our thoughts. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to the word of God. So the thing that began to get the people of Noah's days was their thoughts were continually evil. Verse number 6. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. And he was grieved or he was broken in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I've made them. Now, God was expressing sorrow for what the people had done. And again, understand, God loves people. But the sorrow that broke God's heart is mankind chose sin over a relationship with him. That was a decision that every one of us have to make. Do I desire a relationship with God or just I go ahead and live however I want on this, this planet earth? And so this is what, what he said really began to bother him. Now in, in 1 John chapter 5 verse 19 it says the whole world lies in the sway of the wicked one. Not part of the world. The whole world lies in sway of the wicked one. That's the devil. So here's what that verse says to me. Even in in Noah's time, that there's a pull on every one of us to the things of this world that are from the evil one, the devil. And his goal is to pull you away from the things of God. Now understand, there is no neutral ground. I'm either going to live for God or I'm going to live for the things of the world. And remember, when I live for the things of the world, it's the sway of the devil. 1 John 2, verse 15, it says, Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. So what is he talking about? 1 John 2, 16 says, For all that is in the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of my flesh, or the pride of life. So what he's telling us is exactly what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. He said, separate yourself from the world. Come out from among them. So what was he talking about? I live in this world. I just don't have to be dominated by the things of this world. I can't allow the things of this world to grip me. And pull me away from the things of God. This was what was happening in Noah's days. Verse number uh, 9. Or verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord. Now when you read this about Noah. That was a choice of his. He chose to live godly. In an ungodly world. Same for me and you. It becomes a choice. Verse 9. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man. He was perfect in his generation. Now, what we got to understand about that word perfect, 
it doesn't mean he never sinned. It means that when he did sin, that he he uh, repented of it. And in Noah's days, he had the opportunity to influence or be influenced. And so Noah goes against the tide. He goes against the flow of the majority of the people. And it says he lived for God. And watch how verse 9 ends. And Noah walked with God. In a land that was corrupt. In a land that was so wicked, God said, I'm going to have to destroy him. Verse 10. And Noah begot three sons, Shem and Ham and Japheth. The earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence, desecration, outrage, assault, lust for power is whatever translation I can find says. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. The Amplified says they lost their sense of direction, and the people deteriorated. Now, Let me show you the progression of sin for every one of us. When we begin to sin, it's in our private life. None of us ever wants people to to know that we're sinning. Because if I was really uh, prideful of my sin or proud of what I was doing, I would, man, when I started sinning, I'd go to Anthony and say, man, I've I've been fornicating, I've been doing this, it's great, it's great. I've been lying to my mom. It's great. See, again, when we begin to sin, we hide it. Because there's a sense within every one of us that knows it's wrong. And so as we go along and we keep sinning, we keep sinning, the more familiar we get with the sin, the more comfortable we get. And the more comfortable we get, the more we're okay with exposing ourselves now publicly. It's okay. God's okay with it. God understands. No, God doesn't understand. Because if I look in Noah's days, God said because of their sin was so bad, I'm going to have to destroy them. They lost their right to exist. And so this is what he begins to get to, the power of sin. Verse 13. So God said to Noah, Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. He tells Noah what's going to take place. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Same chapter, the last verse in chapter 6, verse 22. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. Now, this was a decision. Everybody else in Noah's time was going to be wiped out except eight of them. Noah, his wife, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their three wives. If you watch the movie Noah, that's a bunch of crud, okay? That's a stupid, well, that's just my preference. There was all of them but eight were going to get wiped out. And it's interesting to me. That all the people of the earth are going to get wiped out. But this one man, he chose to do what was right in God's eyes. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you'll obey me. 
chapter 7, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. I have seen. He didn't say, I have heard what you said. He said, I've seen how you've lived in this unrighteous generation. That you chose to be godly in an ungodly world. And so he said, come upon the ark. Now when you study this, remember for 120 years, Noah was building the ark. And day after day after day, he warned them. And they would laugh at him. They ridiculed him. They mocked him. They persecuted him. And so when he goes on the ark, like God said, and the eight of them, God closes the door. And after the 120 years warning, it begins to rain. And it keeps raining to the point some of them begin to knock on the door of the ark and they were saying, let us in, let us in. So the destruction came suddenly and swiftly. And when the ark of that door was shut, it sealed the fate of the rest of them. What does that mean for me and you? All right, let's go to the New Testament, to Matthew 24. Now, I told you to hold on to those thoughts there that we just read. And we'll pick up here, Matthew 24, verse 36. But of that day and that hour, that exact day and that exact hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only, what day and what hour. The second coming of Jesus Christ. He's going to come back. I believe that with all my heart. Every time I read the Bible and I study the scriptures. He's going to come back. But again, I I can't get caught up on the exact day and exact hour. So you know what he's saying? You're going to have to be watchful. You're going to have to be alert. Verse number 37. But as the days of Noah were... So also, or so like, will be the coming of the Son of Man. So you know what he tells me? The times we live in will be very similar to that of Noah's days. They will begin to resemble Noah's days. And we remember there, their wickedness and their ungodliness... And they quit listening to the things of God. So he warns us right here. As it was in the days of Noah. So also will be the the second coming of the son of man. For as in the days before the flood. They were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. Until the day that Noah entered the ark. Now when you look at eating and drinking and giving marriage. Was there something wrong with that? No. No. There wasn't anything wrong with it until that's all they started living for. They forgot God. They got so busy with everyday life that they forgot God. They got too busy for the things of God. They got too busy to go to church. And so all they lived their life for was eating and drinking and going to marriages and giving them marriages and all that. So... As I read into that, think about this in our society right now. 
Have you ever heard so much in our lifetimes about food as we do right now? I mean, right here in Lubbock, it can be the, the topic of our conversations. Hey, you been to the new Panera Bread? Hey, we're getting a P.F. Chang's. Hey, is that wrong? No, until that becomes my whole livelihood. You know, there's a bunch of us in this room. We would have been multimillionaires if we would have thought about bottled water 40 years ago. Warren, when you were growing up, did you ever hear about bottled water? <laughs> he said, no, I wish I would have. See, back then, there's no bottled water. Why would you buy water? And now you look, so why am I getting over that? The point of conversation becomes what we drink, what we eat. Oh, have you tried that triple shot of espresso, macchiata, macchiata, caramel with da-da-da-da-da, vanilla and cinnamon and all that? I mean, we ran rave about whatever you buy at Starbucks. And so what ultimately happens, we begin to get so caught up with eating and drinking and the way everyday life looks like that we push God out of our lives. And he said, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be now. So we keep going on. Verse 30, into verse 38. And they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man will be. So you go back and look at Noah's days. He warned them over and over. He preached to them. He spoke the word to them and was telling them, get right, get right, stay right. And he says... As it was in the days, this is how it's going to be. Now, if I went through the rest of that passage, you would see the twos. Two men were in a field working. One went, one stayed. One didn't make it. Two were in a house. One got taken, one got left. Two were on a roof. One got taken, one got left. Verse 44 at the end of this. Therefore, you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming an hour you do not expect. The Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. A time of indifferences and a time of carelessness. At times people will blow it off and have the thought, hey, I can live however I want. Now, biblically, I don't know when Jesus is coming back. He said none of us do. But let's just read into this a little bit. What if he showed up this afternoon when you were taking that nap after you lost that hour of sleep last night? What if he showed up? See, again, I have a decision to make. Because when we get to heaven, there won't be grandchildren in heaven. Just children. Because you're not going to get into heaven based on what your mom and dad did. You're not going to get into heaven... Based on what grandmother did. Well, my grandma lived for God. Well, that's good. Grandma will probably make it. But the question is, are you going to make it? Because every one of us are going to stand before God and he's going to say, what did you do on this time on earth? And he said, be ready, be ready, be ready, be ready, be ready. Be watchful. Don't put your guard down. 
Now, I'm not going to go into it, but if I kept going right here into chapter 25, it starts immediately with the parable of the ten virgins. Ten of them. Five of them were foolish. Five of them were wise. When I read that passage, they all had the same opportunity every day. Five were foolish, five were wise. You know what it tells me? The five that were wise, they made a decision to live for God all the days of their life. But the five that were foolish, they chose not to. They thought they could live however they wanted. And again, it says that at the marriage feast, when the Lord shut that door, and those other five came and knocked and said, let us borrow some of your oil. The Lord said, I don't know you. I didn't know you. And so I understand this can be very serious here today. But we're not playing with a night out on the town. We're playing with people's eternity. And this is what really grieves me. Not only about our our older ones. But we have so many young ones. That are turning back to the world. And I ask you to heed this today. Just to get a hold of this and say. And Father God, I don't, I don't want to play with this because eternity is forever. And when I read about eternity, it scares the hell out of me. Literally. Because he said it's a place of darkness. It's a place that the fire never ceases. It's a place where the worm never dieth. It's a place where there's never rest. It's a place of ultimate loneliness. So I said, Lord, you got to help us. you got to help us. I see our statistics when our young ones go into college and when they come out of college. How many of them get away from the things of God? That's why I'm making a plea today. Let's serve God. You say, man, you don't don't take this lightly, do you? Oh, no, I don't take it lightly at all. I don't know if you've ever had a vision or a dream of hell or people going to hell. If you haven't, I pray you do. Because it's not pleasant. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.